Hello, and welcome to the Enlightened Awakening Podcast, a place of honest and authentic conversations. This week, we're going to finally start off on this series that we've been talking about for a little bit, which is books that shift paradigms. And the intention behind this series is to just share books and talk about the impact that they've had on us and certain ideas that have allowed us to adjust the way that we view the world and to really hone in on ideas that have allowed us to live a more authentic life and move closer towards that goal of self-actualization. And so today we're going to be talking about The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield and just share a couple ideas that we found to be beneficial in our own lives. And so, Uriel, tell me a little bit about some of the thoughts you had or your viewpoint and some of the things that maybe stuck out to you as you were going through the book in general. Yeah, this book actually was a recommendation that you um, originally gave me uh, several months ago. And I found that it resonated a lot with similarly to a lot of the self-help books and self-improvement books that are already out um, and available to the public. In my experience, the the biggest takeaway and the representation of resistance that is portrayed in the book, I see more distinctly, and I, I define that resistance as fear or self-doubt um, in my life. I find that that fear and self-doubt that ruminates in my mind when I'm trying to partake in new activities or things that I'm fearful of are often the things that prevent me from reaching out or to attempt things uh, due to a fear of failure. And I thought that the book actually very well encompassed that. And that was one of the biggest messages that I took. For myself, I think one of the biggest lessons was the characterization of resistance and what resistance really is. I think that in my own life, and especially with the experiences I went through growing up, I always saw resistance as something that came from the outside in the form of people, circumstances, and situations that were impeding me from getting to where I wanted to go. But I really valued what it is that Pressfield shared about the fact that resistance is actually a creation of our own mind, and that it often is a result of how we are delaying pursuing what it is that we're actually meant to do. Now, in his case, he talks specifically about writing books and being an author, but I think that there is widespread application for us in general, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in creative pursuits. And the interesting point about that is that when we're talking about resistance, at least in my experience, I can speak to the fact that, um, as you said, it's something that people don't necessarily see. And you're right. I think that in my experience, I feared the unknown territory that that resistance um, encompassed when it came to uh, a lot of aspects and re- even relationships in my life. We're always fearful of the repercussions. We're always fearful of the results. And I think that unequivocally, we feel less resistance when we're confident about the outcome of the things that we're partaking in. And the the book really highlights the creative aspect of it because when you are leaning on your creative side, you're really leaning on the unknown because you're not you have an idea of what it is that you'd like to create, but you don't necessarily know what the final product of that creation will be. And I think that in my experience 
that is a very much similar picture that we feel individually as people when we are so afraid of what the outcome is and we we don't have control and it's about giving up that control having that said i think it's really important to know that when we are going in unknown territory that's where the growth is because we're learning new things there is an opportunity to fail and that's where i've seen a lot more of my growth where i really feel that fear and the book highlights of the fact that when you're feeling the most resistance is when you really should be doing those things and you feel very passionate about those things. And I think that that actually reflects very well my own personal life because the times where I felt that that resistance the most strongly was things that I really wanted to succeed so badly in but was so afraid of failing. Yeah, I think in my life, the areas where I feel the most resistance is usually when when there's something that is going to disrupt what it is that I have come to see as my status quo. And I think that the more that it's going to disrupt the status quo, the more that internal resistance is able to rear its ugly head. But what I have tried to do in my own life that I found to be extremely helpful is to use that fear as an indicator to say the moment that I feel that resistance, that is supposed to catch my attention towards something that is going to help me get to that next level. There is something here that is going to allow me to shed a part of myself that isn't going to serve me in the direction that I'm trying to go and to then pursue that feverishly. And I think that Pressfield really encapsulated that idea really well when he talked about this idea that resistance is not a peripheral opponent. It arises from within and it's self-generated, but it is also self-perpetuated. When I've gone out and I failed once, particularly when I have failed in a public way, it leads me towards the path of least resistance, which is to either try again in private or try again on a smaller scale or try again in a safer way. But As you talked about earlier, that whole idea of getting outside of our fear zone, that's how we're going to stretch and grow and be able to become more of who we're actually meant to be. I just want to touch on the point that you mentioned in regards to how that uh, resistance is the enemy within. Personally, I was always sort of like afraid of that demon. Uh, You know, that resistance really can become, and it it definitely... I believe that for myself is like a demon that I always have to fight within. And I think as a, as a man, I've always been taught to be strong, to be, you know, always be willing to fight and to never be fearful. And it's always looked down upon to fear as a man because we're expected to be strong figures in society. But I found it so empowering to accept the fact that I do fear things in life. Because accepting that fear in my life has actually led me to become a lot more brave when it comes to actually partaking in those very things that I fear. And accepting failure as a normal part of life. 
because I found in my life when I allowed that fear and resistance to overcome me that it actually led me to indulge in things I didn't want to do to begin with, which led to a lot of the unhappiness that I felt. And it is still something that I deal with on a day-to-day basis as there are days where I feel low and I, I find myself indulging in things that I shouldn't be doing. And when I catch myself, I then start to break it down and acknowledge what that resistance might look like, what that doubt might look like. And when you take some time to critically look at things, and that's what I need to do a lot of the time, is I'm able to break it down and find sort of the culprit that's making me feel the way that I do. Yeah. A question that came to my mind when I was listening to you talk is, when you identify that, yeah, you know, you're engaging in, and I think Pressfield actually calls this like your, either it's like shadow activities or your shadow self, where he says you're using other things to kind of distract you from what you're supposed to be doing. What are some of the things that you have found that have actually allowed you to overcome that? Because noticing it is one thing, but are there like go-to strategies that you have used to actually push past that and to get back towards what it is that you're actually supposed to be achieving? Yeah, I think that for me, the most beneficial thing is accepting that I'm likely going to fail more than I'm going to succeed. And it knowing that has like helps empower me, but also disempowers those fears and that resistance. Uh, I understand that not everything that I do will give me the results that I'd like. And I've built this experience by attempting things and failing. But there's that quote about saying like, fail forward, don't fail backwards. Um, And I think that when you change your perspective in life and understand that there will be challenges. And when I kind of made that shift in my paradigm, in my perception, I was beginning to understand that all of the things that I feed myself through technology and social media and TV, you know, I'm flashed the success of all these other people that makes me feel uh, inferior, which creates that resistance, which creates that self-doubt, which instills this desire to only do things that have guaranteed success. And by accepting reality for what it objectively is and accepting that there's a lot of really talented and amazing people out there, and no matter how amazing or talented I think I might be, I'm still competing with those people. And accepting that has really empowered me. Yeah, I think that... And this is probably something that I'm going to actually make a theme for my life. Well, a theme for this year is shortening the gap between decision and action. I think that a lot of times I am able to reason out, okay, this is what I felt. This is why I felt that. This is what I need to do to actually address this. But oftentimes I sit on that because the cognitive dissonance is resolved once I make those connections and I have an idea of what it is that I need to do to move forward. For me, that's where that cognitive dissonance resolves. But what I've realized I need to do is I need to ensure that I am 
cultivating those feelings while they're still fresh to actually start acting immediately. I have a tendency to fall into analysis paralysis where I think about every possible option and weigh what is going to ultimately give me the result that I want, or it's going to reduce the risk of me failing. But one of the things that Pressfield's book really helped me shift my paradigm on is that you do need to put out stuff that sometimes is going to be subpar. Ultimately speaking, you can never plan enough or you can never think enough or analyze enough to actually ensure that something you put out into the world is going to be successful. And the only way to be able to do that is to actually put something out, to actually see how it does, to then, after you have put something out, to look and to analyze and to see where you could have improved, but then to immediately act again. This is the thing that I like about just life in general. And I'm just going to go on a slightly different tangent, but I will come back full circle to what we're talking about, about interpretation and how our interpretation of whether it's like books, you know, or any other type of media that is meant to educate people, we all interpret things very differently. And uh, when you spoke of this piece specifically, when he thinks about the pro separates themselves from the tool um, that is used for their craft, I always just think about refinement. Um, As a professional versus an amateur, you know, to make the jump from an amateur to a professional. And I'm just going to talk generally about sports. An amateur refines their skills in any given sport to be able to stand out uh, in a professional setting. And when we're talking about uh, creative liberty or really honing down as he talks about in the book of the gifts and the talents that you're born with. I do believe that we all are born with some given skill that we have to identify and it is our responsibility to refine and hone down on those skills to then produce this product that we're meant to uh, provide to the world. And that's the really tricky part because finding that and refining that really takes a lot of sort of internal, like discovery, internal discovery. And to actually internalize that discovery, you have to take yourself away from pretty much everything. And I don't know that I've found that quite yet myself uh, because I know that there are things that I believe I just am more naturally gifted in. But honing down on those skills with all of these other things that are surrounding me, it murks the waters. And I think that's why I'm not necessarily a pro and I'm an amateur at this time. But that's the beautiful thing about these things, because the more you educate yourself is the thing that's going to lead you to refining those skills and eventually becoming a pro. And you will be separate from that tool that helps you uh, do these things. So it's a great point. I, I, it's something that I, I still think I need to work on. It's something that I still need to identify, but, um, 
I think the beautiful thing is just the interpretation of it. And that's, I think, why we're doing a lot of these uh, reviews on these books and what we're taking of it. Because ultimately, everybody's experience are vastly different. And mine is going to be vastly different from yours. So it's really cool to to hear those things out. Mm-hmm. Agreed, man. I think that you, well, I appreciate you sharing your point of view on that because I also feel like uh, I'm still an amateur in a lot of those areas. And yeah, you know, it's, there is at one point or on one hand, there is this idea that you want to envision and talk about what it is that you want to achieve and who you want to become. And I know a lot of people, myself at times included, shy away from identifying very clearly those areas that you're lacking. But as we've referred to in previous episodes, that really is the the crux, right, of being able to move closer towards authenticity and working towards a place where you can actually actualize what it is that you're intended to do, right? And I think that something else that you mentioned that uh, that I really liked was, well, rather something that you mentioned made me think of this idea of ego. And for myself, I think that one of the reasons I really have a hard time separating my craft or my skills and my talents and my achievements from myself is that it feels good to be skilled at something. It feels good to be praised for doing something well, or there's a lot of public accolades that come with being skillful. And that feels good, inevitably. But I think that the danger that comes with that is, as I've seen in my own life, when things don't go well, then you actually have a tendency to take things personally. And it's nice because Pressfield really nailed this idea in one of the other points he was talking about in terms of the difference between the professional and the amateur. And he said that a professional does not take failure or success personally. A lot of us have talked about this idea or even thought about this idea of not taking failure personally, but I haven't heard many people talking about not taking success personally because I know in my own life when something goes well, I'm like, yeah, it went well because I planned, I executed, and that's why I got this result. But that may not necessarily be the case. There may have been things that were outside of your control that happened to fall in your favor that led to success, that if it wasn't for those things, no amount of inputs that you would have had would have changed the outcome. And so he goes on to say, we cannot let external criticism, even if it's true, fortify our internal foe. That foe is strong enough already. And the professional schools themselves to stand apart from their performance even as they give themselves to it heart and soul. And this is where I get really tripped up on this idea of separating your skills and your craft and your achievements from yourself. Because I felt for the longest time, in order for me to put my heart and soul into it, I have to put my whole being into it. But that is where ego gets in the way. Because if you are putting who you are and your identity on the line every time that you perform or you put something out into the world or every time that you want to share an idea, inevitably you are going to take things personally when they don't go your way. And success is also going to go to your head. I have struggled with pride for many, many years. And my wife will be the first one to tell you that she doesn't give me too much praise because she worries that my head is going to get too big and blow up. And I see where she's coming from because honestly, sometimes when I hear myself or when I talk to myself in my head and some of the things that I say, I'm like, man, 
This is why Proverbs in the Bible talks so extensively about checking your pride. And it says that pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And I think that those of us who have skills and talents that are associated with, like, let's say, extroversion or leadership or those things that those flashy skills that tend to get you noticed, I think that that is the greatest danger in that is that your ego has a tendency to get in the way and become enmeshed with what it is that you do. One of the things that John Maxwell talked about that I really liked is that he says, you're not as good as you think you are, but you're also not as bad as you think you are. And he talks about living your life between the lines. He says that there's a ditch on either side of the road. On the left side is the ditch of failure, and we need to avoid falling into that. But on the right side, there's also a ditch of success. And that when we allow ourselves to get confused about the source of the success and the blessings that we have in our lives, understanding that it actually isn't because of us, but because of the talents we've been granted, that we've been loaned to achieve something specific, that that's when we get ourselves into trouble. And and he talks about living between the lines and on your low days, remembering you're not as bad as you think. And on your high days, that you're not as good as you think, that that is how we live a life that will ultimately allow us to progressively move forward without falling into the traps of failure or of success. And that was something that spoke heavily to me that I really think that Pressfield nailed in this idea of not taking success or failure personally. I want to touch on a couple of things that you mentioned. Uh, first one, I do 100% agree that a lot of people tend to change in regards to success. But I want to touch on the failures and that people actually don't necessarily talk enough about it. And I know that in my experience, that was one of the things that created the most resistance. And when you were talking about ego in all of these scenarios, I couldn't help myself but continue to think about resistance because ultimately ego is resistance that a lot of the times prevents us from a lot, a lot of things Uh, and even makes us indulge as in the book it says about indulging in things that we shouldn't really be doing. But why I found the lack of awareness around how much people actually fail before they succeed is that it painted for me a picture of people are like overnight successes, which is actually very rarely a thing. Um, And all the challenges that come with honing in on those talents that we all individually have, because it leaves a lack of desire and motivation to want to hone in and to go through the hardships and the challenges that come ahead when you feel like you're always failing. And I think that if that was more mainstream, I think a lot more people wouldn't be facing some of these challenges and even the challenges that I individually faced in my life that I think I sort of resonate with a lot of people as well. Uh, So in that regard, I think like there's a lot of benefit in acknowledging that, but there's a lot of blurred lines because I do agree with the notion that we shouldn't be defined by our success, but we shouldn't allow our failures to define us either. Because for me individually, 
when I allow myself to constructively analyze why I failed, it actually is a motivating factor for me to move forward. Now, that is not to say that there has been times where I've been too critically negative on myself. And as you've said, it leads to a lot of feelingness of unhappiness, which can basically become an, a slippery slope. For me, I, resistance really has always been a demon that is always going to be within me. It's never going to go away. I'm going to have resistance for the rest of my life. And acknowledging that it's always going to be there empowers me to continue to fight it, to do the right things. Thanks for joining me for today's episode. And next week, we'll be continuing this series and chatting about a book that I'm sure many of you have heard of called The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up by Mark Manson. And so we look forward to you guys joining us again as we chat more about these ideas that shift paradigms and books that have allowed each of us to be able to live life in a more authentic way and strive towards self-actualization. Take care, and we'll see you next week.